Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. It's, it's biblical. They, they participated in standing in the reading of the word in the book of Ezra. As they begin to read from the word of the Lord, Ezra started in the morning and read a good portion of the day. You want to talk about someone taking advantage of somebody standing? Ezra started the morning, good portion of the day, uh, was reading, and they stood as, as he read. Amen. I don't have, uh, there's plenty enough Bible here that we could stand all day if I were to read it, but I just have a couple of verses that I want to read to you this morning. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but I've made quite the debacle of this whole Jonah series. I'm not like staying directly uh character study or biographical but i think we're you know finding a few truths here in the book of jonah and i'm kind of probably i'd say probably i'm probably gonna be more in preaching mode here today um, i was over here friday and i was doing some preparations and stuff for sunday and i was prepping for sunday last week something kind of popped in my spirit concerning the book of jonah that i kindly kind of just scratched in the margin there uh, thinking about resurrection sunday and so while I was playing around in Jonah a little bit, I just went on and put together my Resurrection Sunday sermon. And uh, from Jonah, of all things, we'll find out here in a few weeks. Uh, but And then uh, just also just uh, another little sermon birthed out of my spirit from there as well. So if, if you're okay with us teaching and preaching and preaching, and even if you're not, I'm going to do it uh, uh, this morning and then see what the Lord would speak to us in Jonah chapter number one. This is a short book, but it's getting longer every Sunday. And uh, But nonetheless... I, my wife was talking the other day, Brother Mason and such, and they were talking about Super Church, you know, starting back up maybe around Resurrection Sunday and the shift of age group, of course, that's happened with those that have graduated and then shifting the younger age, you know, that's come and, uh, you know, thinking about attention spans and things like that. And uh, them, I guess, putting a clock on me, figuring that I'd pretty well do an hour, you know, it seems like at the drop of a hat thinking that those kids might have to come back whenever I start rather than at the very beginning because it's going to be a long time for those young minds. Amen. Jonah 1. No one said nothing. Can't get no help in here. I feel like the world's pitted against me. Jonah 1, verse number 3. We've already read this verse, I understand. But I want to take this verse in verse number 13 and couple them together and see what will happen today. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof. Anybody listening online, you're not hearing a repeat of something that you are. Okay, this is live today. Okay. And went down into it. To go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Skipping all the way to verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. What's played out in between these two things, as we noted last uh, week, he got on the ship. He paid the fare. They found out he was the one that was guilty for all the evil that was come upon them. He says, throw me overboard. And verse 13 says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. Speaking of the ship. But they could not for the sea wrought. And was tempestuous against them. So we have this storm. And these gentlemen understand the evils upon them because of Jonah. And yet they row to try to get to land. For a little while this morning, I want to preach this. Caught in a storm near shore. Some way, someone say storm. And someone say near caught in a storm near shore amen let's pray right now lord we need your help today i pray oh god that you're able to order my words so lord jesus the way that you would want them ordered 
God, what you laid on my heart and in my spirit, Lord, this week, I pray God help me to, God, uh, adequately, Lord, be able to present, Lord, to the people here, to the people online, to any hearer that may hear it, Lord, in days to come. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, let there be a message here that will speak to a soul, that will speak to a heart. God, I pray, oh, Lord, help us now, and we'll give you the glory for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And the church say amen. You may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the Lord. We understand today, this, if this is your first time with us, we understand today in our series or, or groupings of sermons and lessons that we've been pulling from the book of Jonah, that Jonah, his actions and where he is right now is in uh, total disobedience to the word of the Lord. He's totally out of the will of God. He has departed from the will of God many miles back. And now it's as though he has taken it to another, another degree and another level. Because whereas his travels from the, the will of God had just been primarily up to this point on land, now there is a distinct line and a dividing line that he's taken it from land even unto the sea. And as we pictured the, st the story of Jonah, and as we have heard it, no doubt, a myriad of times in our lives and have read it as Bible stories, perhaps to our own children and grandchildren, as we picture the storm Jonah and the, marin the, 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 marin the mariners are caught in, I don't know about you, but oftentimes, I believe even depicted in Bible storybooks, and, and whenever we read it, what we envision in our mind is this raging storm that's out on the sea, strong winds that are casting the ship to the left and to the right, billows rising and falling hundreds of miles from any shore, hundreds of miles from any harbor. I mean, even in Bible storybooks that I remember as a kid that depicts the story of Jonah, it's almost as though these white-capped waves out in the middle of some abyss and you could look north, south, east, and west and there is no sign of land, no sign of aid, no sign of any help. And we see the ship being there in our minds tossed to and fro and up and down and perhaps the most turbulent seas that anyone has ever witnessed with no land in sight and no other aid available. Yet the scriptures tell us, according to chapter number one, that the sailors attempted rowing hard in that storm to bring the ship to land. Again, this morning, I believe it's important to underscore that these are experienced men. These are experienced sailors. They, they had been in terrible storms before they knew the sea the ways of the sea the temperament if you will of the sea these sailors would have known very easily how useless it was to try to use oars in their hand with the other end plunged into the water in order to somehow bring them to land. They would have known, Bishop, that their raw manpower would have been no competition for a storm upon the sea and would try to bring it to land when there was no land in sight. But with that consideration today, I submit to you this morning that this boat at this particular time must not have been in the middle of the sea. This boat must not have been in a position that land had been out of sight or just out of sight. The harbor that they have just left and the shore that they have just departed from must have been according to the estimation and the visual of those well-experienced sailors, amen, within rolling distance of the ship because they would not in their greatest imagination tried to row hundreds of miles to a land they could not see with a wind and a tempestuous wave that was tossing them to and fro. So I submit to you today that Jonah and those sailors was met with a storm and caught in a storm that was near to the shore. 
As a matter of fact, historically, according to documentation, historically the harbor at Joppa was known to be very inconvenient and it was a very insecure harbor historically. Amen. It tells us that ships would remain afloat in this harbor in what was known as the roadstead. It, it was nothing more but a little sheltered stretch of water that was near the shore in which the ships could just stay there, anchor a little bit and ride out, if you will, any waves coming in or any waves going out without dragging the bottom of their ships. But likewise, that being seemingly a place where they could stay and ride those things out. Historically, it also says that this little roadstead, this little sheltered stretch of water was also quite liable to sudden and unexpected storms and that these storms would come at times and stir up some of the most tempestuous waters and sea in just a matter of moments. That being the case this morning, I'm telling you from what I can read in scripture that it is highly probable today that Jonah's ship was caught in a storm not many miles from land. That Jonah's ship was caught in a storm perhaps not many miles from Joppa. It was near the shoreline. It was near the arbor. I know how it is today. In our own mind's eye, we begin to think within ourselves that we would expect some of the most horrific storms to happen in the middle of the sea. We would expect some of the greatest, if you will, of tragedies of the water to happen whenever we're the furthest from the land. Perhaps Jonah would be the greatest affected by a tempestuous storm if he were just halfway perhaps to Tarshish or perhaps the greatest of storms would meet him it would almost be like poetic justice for such a tragedy to befall him to befall this disobedient prophet when he was almost amen to Tarshish when he was almost as far as he could be from the will of God when he was almost as far as he could be from the purpose of God but we begin to question this morning Jonah you're going to find yourself in a storm near the shore just offshore just mere miles from where you embarked from the land and from the harbor now now isn't it most likely that you would find a storm that would be greater more intense somewhere else doesn't it seem a little odd for a storm to be occurring here because that's not far from the shore Jonah amen you've just recently left the footing of the land and now submitted yourself to the unpredictable sea but to already find yourself in a storm I must today urge this congregation and those that are listening this morning that a ship doesn't have to be hundreds of miles out to sea to be in jeopardy from a storm because it can also get in trouble being just close to the arbor but not on the shore. What are you saying this morning, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. I believe the story of Jonah proves this quite well because at Joppa, he's already about 760 miles from Nineveh. Amen. From where he should be but now he's left a, a greater line of demarcation of leaving the land and getting on the sea a real distinct line of separation what I'm trying to convey this morning is this it's not how far you are it's where you are that matters we begin to make estimations sometime that I'm not too far or I'm closer than this one or that one. It doesn't matter distance. You can find yourself in a storm uh, stemming from disobedience being in the midst of the sea or you can find yourself in a storm just off the shore of where you need to be. It doesn't matter the distance. It's about where you are and whether Jonah was in Tarshish or if he was just off the edge of Joppa. He wasn't where he needed to be. He was outside of the wheel and the purpose and the privilege of God. Can someone say amen? Amen. 
man. Jonah, you're just off the shore, but you're caught in a storm. And I know there's men attempting to row to it, but the fact of the matter is this, Jonah, you're not positioned where you need to be. You're positioned wrong enough for a storm to assault your life. You're close enough, amen, to be able to see the shore, but you're wrong enough for a storm to assault To assault your life. Listen to me today. The the book of Judges again. We've talked about how peculiar some of the stories are. In the book of Judges. But it is true they are quite particular. And peculiar. peculiar. In Judges 19. The Bible tells us of that story. To take you real quickly. Amen to what I'm thinking of here. In Judges 19 is the story. Of a Levite who had a concubine. Whose hands were on the threshold. When he arose in the morning. She had been abused all night. And he ends up cutting her in 12 pieces. And sending each piece to one of the tribes a man of Israel but the tragedy I want to convey to you tonight is this the tragedy of the abuse that that Levite's concubine suffered from all throughout the night wasn't so much so listen to me clearly it wasn't so much so that she was left far out into some very dark and remote streets of the city that caused the abuse that came upon her because the Bible clearly tells us in Judges 19 that whenever morning came and he opened the door that the hands of that concubine were on the threshold they were on the threshold of the door of the house. What are you saying? It wasn't that she was in the far outreaches, remote areas of the street or the city and suffered abuse, but she was really quite near to the house. The Bible describes her as though she had fallen down at the door. God. The Bible describes as though she had fallen down at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. She was near the house, but that didn't place her in the house. She was close to the house, but that didn't place her in the house. Amen. Can I tell you, being near the shore doesn't make you a ship tethered to the shore. It's not how far you are. It's where you are. She was outside of the safety of the house and Jonah was outside the shelter of the will of God. Someone say amen. amen. Furthermore, in the book of Genesis, we read Noah spent his days, days, and you can read all kinds of things and they come to different, different conclusions and you can search the scriptures anywhere from 100 perhaps to 120 years building the ark that would be the safety net, the, the safety vessel for whenever the floods came. He spent his life. He gave his attention. He gave his focus, he and his family, for 100 and 120 years to building the ark. Their life, listen to pastor this morning, their life consisted of preparing the ark, getting the gopher wood, putting member to member, pitching it within and without. Their life for 110, 120 years was a to the ark of God and so I think I could easily say today that perhaps more in more than any other people family and humanity in the history of Noah's time. I could easily say that they were nearer the ark than any other family upon the face of the earth. They were preparers. They were focused. Their attention was given to it. They were nearer than any other family upon the ark. But listen to me well today. Whenever the deluge happened, whenever the waters below began to be broken up and the rain gave forth its water upon the land and the flood began to happen, being near the ark wouldn't be enough being around the ark wasn't going to be enough amen no wonder God emphasized in scripture before the breaking up of the waters below and the casting forth of the rain above he told Noah and his family he said you guys got to get in the ark he says I'm not doing a measuring stick of if you're close to it or if you're far from it it's all about your position are you in it or not I'm Well, I'm saying if we're not careful, even as Christians and as apostolic people, we can dupe ourselves in thinking, well, I'm not far away like some of them are, but you can spend all your time preparing for the ark, focused on the ark, but if you never get in the ark, distance doesn't matter. Far or near doesn't matter. It's position and placement that matters. 
He told him, you can read it in Genesis 7 over and over again. The Lord is very emphatic about this idea of being in it. The Lord said unto Noah in verse 1, come thou and all thy house into the ark. In verse 7, the Bible says that Noah went in, his sons, his wife, his sons' wives with him into the ark. In verse 13, it names them by name. In the self same day, enter Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, etc., etc., his sons, his daughters, into the ark. Because God's like, it doesn't matter near or far. Placement matters. As far as position, in or out. He says, you're wanting to measure distances in being out. He says, but what it really comes down to is either just in or out. Someone's getting, God really had to stoop quite low to save them. Let me tell you something. He stooped just as far to save those to the uttermost as those that were at the door. It's not like a different quantity of blood or a different, if you will, means or, or holiness of a sacrifice of a life had to reach those that were in the dregs of the sin any more than those that were tiptoeing in the shallow waters of sin. It wasn't near or far. It was in or out. It was his or not his. Someone say hallelujah. You remember how it was? I don't know if kids play this stuff anymore. When we were kids, we played all kinds of outside games. You know, things that didn't necessarily, they didn't take any tools. You didn't have to buy anything at Walmart in order to accomplish it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, if it said contents of the game, it said people. Willing participants. As kids, we would play. We, and we had a lot of neighborhood kids in our area. And we, we had softball tournaments in our backyard with neighborhood kids. And we had all kinds of fun stuff with our neighbors who rode bikes together, got in trouble together, got spanked together, and, you know, all that stuff. And we had all, every parent to their own, of course. But no, we would have fun. And we would play. Anybody remember this? Red light. Green light. Some of y'all smiling. You just played it yesterday, didn't you? Amen. Hallelujah. And they'd have all those kids lined up in a line together and there'd just be one kid that that was it or that was the person, the one that was controlling the traffic light, if you will. The red light, green light. And then their back would be turned to everybody that was behind them. And it's like, green light! And whenever they, had, they said that and you was in that line, honey, you took off a trucking. Or if you were supposed to be crab walking, whatever the particular was, you took off a trucking. And then that person that was standing up there with their back to everybody, he'd say, Red light! Everybody stopped. And in that moment, there'd be some kids a little closer than others. There'd be some a little further than others. But that didn't determine. That didn't determine the winner of the game. Who was closer or who was further in that moment. And they're standing up there. And everybody's there and they're wiggling a little bit because they've been froze for so long. And you say... And they take off again. And I've seen moments. I've been the kid. And I've been the kid that done the otherwise. There's been kids in front of me. I'm like that low down good for nothing. I'm going to turn it on the next time it turns green light. And son, I might pass them up next time. And I'm closer than they are. And they're further back. But the whole moral of the story is this. It wasn't the distance. It's whoever touched him first. It's whoever touched him first. Folks, whenever this thing is all finished, when this thing's all over, it's not about distance. It's not about how close you might be to him or how far you are from him. It's with whether or not you're with him and he's in you. It's not. Because along the journey, sometimes I pass others up and sometimes they pass me up. But in the end, will I be positionally where I need to be? And that's with. So what I do as a pastor, every time I preach, every time we come to church, we're playing a little red light, green light. I'm saying green light, green light, and somebody's getting a little closer. But don't you yet just wave the victory flag. You need to get to where he is. You need to touch him. You need to abide with him. You... Hallelujah. Someone say amen. Well, you got to go. Deuteronomy 13.
Deuteronomy 13, verse number 6. Look at this. If thy brother, thy son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own so, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known thou, nor thy fathers, Verse 7, namely, of the gods of the people which are round about you, look at this now, nigh unto thee or far from thee. From the one end of the earth, even to the other end of the earth. He says, if they entice you to go, whether near or far, to serve other gods, verse 8, thou shalt not consent unto him nor hearken to him. Neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. Verse 9, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. The word of the Lord came to the children of Israel telling them, if anyone tries to convince you to go serve other gods, particularly gods that are revered and respected by the people that are all around you. You need to refuse and you need not to consent because the Spirit of the Lord cautioned this in those few verses of Scripture. It cautioned them that it didn't matter how close or how far these gods were from where you're at right now. From where your position as being the children of God. From where your position as being the children of Israel. It doesn't matter how near they are to where you are. Or how far they are from where you are. He says you need not give them the time of day. Because it's all about really where you are spiritually. If you chose to errantly amen do this to serve other gods whether they be near to where you're serving your God or far from where you're serving your God if you worship the Lord said if you worship and you serve these gods by whether going a short distance or a far distance matters not what matters is this if you do it all together it doesn't matter it doesn't matter he said it doesn't matter how far you go it's if you go Like black sins, white sins, right? Huh? It's like humanity's classification of wrong. Didn't do much, but just doing. Just doing. Gets us in a place of ill favor with the Lord. He says, if you've stepped outside of your camp and you kneel down before a wooden God right there, or if a different one of you traverse all throughout the wilderness to some great depths to honor some false god of stone. He said, here's the fact of the matter. The penalty for either the nearness or the farness of it is the same. Someone say amen. The Bible says, I'm getting there. Man, I really, you know, I overplan sometimes. First Kings chapter number eight. <laughs> First Kings chapter number eight, my wife says, mm -hmm, yeah, uh -huh. church mother on the first pew, uh -huh, yeah. First Kings chapter eight and verse 46, look at this now. Solomon's, Solomon's giving some words of exhortation here because the Ark of the Covenant has, has made its final resting place in the temple of Solomon. And uh, Solomon is underscoring the, the importance of, of sending prayers up in the house of the Lord, or at least directing them toward the house of the Lord, if someone was far from it. And look what he says in verse number 46, First Kings 8 and verse 46. If they sin, he says, against thee, speaking to God, for there is no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy, so that they carry them away captives unto the land of the enemy, far or near, 
catch that? Far or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land, whether they were carried captives and repent and make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carried them captive, saying, we have sinned and have done perversely. We have committed wickedness. He says in verse 48, and so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies which led them away captive and pray unto thee, God, toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers and the city which thou hast chosen and the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear God, thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause, verse 50, and forgive thy people that have sinned against thee, and all their transgressions wherein they have transgressed against thee, and give them compassion before them who carried them captive, that they may have compassion on them. Look at verse 52. That thine eyes may be open unto the supplication, God, of thy servant and unto the supplication of thy people Israel. Look, to hearken unto them and all that they call for unto thee. Solomon saying, we got the house of the Lord here. We have the presence. The ark of the covenant has taken up residence in this house. He says, you, and you can read a lot there of First, Psalm, First Kings 8. He says, if you, if you be in a far country or land or you're fighting a battle or this happened or that happens, but you can get to the house of God and you can kneel and pray, then God will hear you and hearken to you. And then he finally calls out to these people that may be taken so far away, near or far, estranged, if you will, from the house of the Lord, of their choosing because they have allowed themselves to be carried away by the hand of the enemy. He says, if you can direct your prayer toward this place or direct your prayer toward God then he will hear you and hearken unto you and if you repent he will forgive you if Israel's taken away by, by her sin and taken as a captive into the lands of her enemies whether far or near he says it matters not because if she repents God will hearken unto her and God will forgive her can I say this this morning that though being offshore may not keep a storm from upsetting your ship, neither does being far from the temple and bound by foreign foes interrupt the voice of repentance from reaching the ears of God. A storm may reach you whether you're near or far. But your prayer of repentance can reach the Lord whether near or far. Havoc may come upon your life whether near or far from where you need to be. But God can hear your plea whether near or far from where you need to be. I'm trying to encourage someone today that distance don't matter in your suffering. But it also doesn't matter in your redemption. Distance doesn't matter in the woe that you may experience, but it also doesn't matter in the wonder of his forgiveness you can experience. It doesn't matter near or far. Your placement sometimes may condemn you by not being in God and rather out of God, but your distance can't silence you. It can't keep you from lifting your voice in your affliction, in your storm, and crying out to God. Storms may find you in the harbor or they might find you out in the far reaches of the sea but I guarantee you this whether near or far whatever the distance may be God's grace can locate you near or far and his grace can find you even in the belly of a great fish someone say amen the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. In the writing of the book of Acts, amen, after the Holy Ghost was poured up out upon all the people that day from the upper room and then later the 3,000, Peter told them the plan of salvation and clearly spoke to them that his promises can reach to all that are afar off. His promises. Look at this. This is where distance don't matter either way. His 
promises could reach those that were afar off or as close as a repentant thief hanging on a cross on Mount Calvary. Woo! Far or near did not matter. Because distance and reality is according to our standards. Distance is according to our standards. And they vary, right? According to our standards. But the fact of the matter in the eyes of God, it's either you're without God or you're with God. You're positioned with Him or you're positioned without Him. And being without God subjects each and every individual, near or far, amen, to the same outcome. But He can come. Here's the glorious revelation or the glorious uh, uh, thing that should ensure our hearts. He can come to us, amen, when we call on Him, whether we are near or far. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 13, it says, but now, everybody say, but now, amen, the writer, the apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, primarily a Gentile church that would have been far from God. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were a were far are far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. He says, but now, amen, it was in the minds of society, it was in the minds of Jews and Gentiles alike that the Gentiles were that sect of people that were far off. And the Jews presumed themselves being a whole lot nearer than the Gentiles. They presumed themselves at a greater advantage because Abraham being their father. And the scripture even teaches us that even between the two groupings, that there seemed to be a wall of partition between the far outreach Gentiles and the close near Jews. For that matter, in the temple of this time, Herod's temple, there were areas, certain courts, amen, and divisions that led actually to the temple before you would actually get into the presence of the Lord or the holies of holies. Each one, each of these sections of the temple was a little higher than the other, amen, as it got closer to the presence of the Lord. The first court that a person would come to as they would approach Herod's temple was known as the court of the Gentiles. And as you would go a little further closer to the presence of the Lord and it went up a little higher, you would come into the court of the women. And you would go a little further and come up a little higher and you would enter the court of the Israelites. And you would go a little further and you come up a little higher and you would enter the court of the priests. And according to the layout that they even had of their temple was their idea and concept of people's positions in God. The Gentiles are far from his presence the priests are close to his presence but you had to get in his presence the Gentiles were considered far and the Israelites was about midway mediocre but the priests were near but that wasn't the deciding factor you had to get in the presence of the Lord as a matter of fact between the, the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women it says historically that there was a literal wall that was there that gave signs and indications that if a Gentile went beyond that point they could very quickly lose their life Amen. There was this division. You are far. We are near. But through the writing of the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, he began to bring all levels at the level of the cross and said, Jews, you're a Jew and Abraham might be your daddy. He said, but you've acted like the world. You've been unfaithful to God and you call yourself near, but you're just as, if you will, equidistant from him as the Gentiles are. I know you say the Gentiles are without Christ and without citizenship and without promise and without hope and without God but all of you are on the same platform if you don't get in his presence all of you are caught in a storm near the shore What are you saying today? I'm saying this morning, if it's the drug addict, if it's the prostitute, if it's the one that's murdered someone, you take them and you stack them up against the liar and the cheater and the fornicator and whatever it may be. We may classify, oh, they did real bad and this and well, they're close to God. Amen, I'm here to tell you right now, they're all without God and that's not the place you need to be in. We're not counting distance. I'm not getting out yardsticks. You're 
either in Christ or not in Christ. And I today want to understand that though I may be by human standards far or near, God's grace can find me in that position, whichever it may be according to human standards, and bring me into communion with him. Abraham's our father. You stemmed from an idolatrous family of Abraham. And God really wanted to use you all to be a means of salvation and hope for the world. He said, but you all are just near shore. You're just as worldly as some of your counterparts. Paul finished it up, though. Or continued, I should rather say, I guess in verse 17 and said, and came, speaking of Christ, came to preach peace to you. See, this is him coming to where they are. Whatever the distance. He came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them. You see it? That were. It wasn't a Gentile gospel and a Jew gospel. It wasn't a gospel set aside for far, for the far ones and a different gospel for the near. Same gospel. Same message. Same opportunity. Distance, near or far. That was submitted unto them. And he said in verse 18, for through him we both, near and far, have access by one spirit unto the Father. The cross of Christ, the blood of Christ, snatched both the near and the far, if I could say this morning, from their storm. And it positions them in Him. Now, Jonah was near the shoreline then. When he was thrown overboard into the sea. And yes, scripture denotes that God had prepared a fish to swallow Jonah. And so Jonah soon finds himself in the belly of a fish that at times he describes even in the depths of the sea. Jonah says in verses coming later that, that he went down to the bottoms of the mountains. He's describing even the mountainous masses that are under the surface of the ocean. We see the mountains above land, but just as much as there are mountains above land, there's mountains below water. And Jonah says, I was even taken to the base or to the depths, the bottoms of the mountains. He's not talking about on the surface of the sea. He's talking about in the depths of the sea. And so while he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, Jonah may have went and wavered from being far from shore to near to shore to being at water level to being at the lowest he could go in the water at the mercy of the fish, plunged even, if you will, to the depths. But in spite of his distance, he still was not where he needed to be quite yet. And regardless of his distance, the Bible says he in that fish's belly opened his mouth and he prayed to the Lord from the fish's belly whether he was near at that moment or whether he was far the Bible describes that weed seaweed if you will was even wrapped about his head but Jonah is praying and as God had told Israel in the previous passage I read amen it comes to Jonah now it doesn't matter Jonah if you're near it doesn't matter if you're far but of Jonah if you repent 
hearken to your repentance. Jonah, if you repent, I'll provide forgiveness. If you're far from me and call on me, I'll make things right positionally between us. If you're near to me and call on me, I'll make things right positionally. But Stand with me. I'll come to a close. See, I'm doing good. That's not an hour. Far from it. Far from it. <laughs> Don't mind if I'm near far. Touche. Touche. So Jonah takes to praying. And God spake to the fish. And it vomited. That's the good old King James Version. <laughs> it vomited. Look now. Jonah out on, verse 10, dry land. Not near land. Not far from land. But vomited out on dry land Jonah's not far from shore he's not near from shore but he's on land headed in the direction where he needs to be back in the will of God I'm trying to preach hope today to us I'm trying to preach hope today today to someone that may be hearing us. Near or far, distance doesn't matter. Storms can find you in either location. Unprofitable things can find you. Horrid things can find you in whatever location. We talk to people, I say all the time, it's been some time, but we talk to people in prison that's taken three lives and others are there because they wrote a bad check. But in regards, and maybe not in regards of years according to our justice system, but in regards of placement, the penalty's the same. They all got a cell. They all eat when they're told to eat, brush their teeth, go to bed, count all the same. But just as much as the storm knows no distance, God's grace knows no distance either. And the key to the turning of the tide it's just a recognition where you are and a prayer to the God that can organize things to take place to where you find yourself on dry land headed in the direction that you need to be. But thou only be by the hand of the Lord. And so I can't even stand. I can't even stand here today and say I got some type of clout or advantage over anybody else. I can't even say today I do. All I need to survey this morning is this. His absolute position and placement. Am I in him? Or am I outside of him? Am I with God? Or am I without God? And if I'm without God, don't start getting out my measuring stick. of seen if I'm in a storm near the shore or far from shore. The fact of the matter is I'm without God. And I need I need God. Somebody today, whether here or elsewhere, needs God today. They need God today. They need God today. It isn't, the, the objective is not just to do not as bad as you had done. The objective is just not to do as bad as you had done. Or to bridge the gap to get a little closer. It is to be with Him where He is. We don't want to live our lives and the finality of time come and there's people that's just floating foot's distances away from the shore. No, 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 no. We want people to be on land in the direction and ultimately obtaining where he is. The presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. The power of the Lord. The will of God. We don't want anybody to be caught in any storm near or far. Can someone raise their hands this morning? 
Hallelujah. I can be safe today in the arms of God. I can be safe today. That's where it's at. That's where safety is. It's in the arms of God. It's not boasting about being near to shore. It's about being in his arms. It's not about being in Joppa and not have departed off land and not yet and see it. No, it's about being right smack dab where he would desire for me to be. There's people today I feel this morning. They will objectify and they will, if you will, reason away. They will reason away their placement because they feel as though they're better positionally than somebody else in the sea. But the question is, are you in Him? Are you in Him? Jonah and Tarshish is just as lost as Jonah that took his first step from his home and headed toward Joppa. You understand what I'm saying? Jonah in the middle of the sea is just as lost as Jonah a foot from the shore. Those that were afar are made nigh. But now he's come and made peace for those that are far and those that are near through the blood and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sir or ma'am, today you need to find the arms of God. Sir or ma'am, today you need to find that holies of holies where the spirit and the presence of God is. And the mighty thing is this, His grace can find you there. His grace can find you in the depths at the bottom of the mountain and the sea. Or He can find you on the surface of the water. His grace can find you there. His grace can find you serving a sentence on time for the rest of your life. Or it can find you as you do little pitfall and mistake after mistake at the edge of the shore. His grace can find you. And it can be the mediator and it can draw you back where you need to be or perhaps in a place that you've never been but you need to be. Can we raise our hands all across this place this morning? These altars are open. I pray those that are listening by Amen Facebook Live today that you can raise your hands right there in your house, in your home this morning. And God knows where you're at. Brother McGee, I'm not in Mount Carmel. Pastor, I'm not here. I'm not there. That's all right. It doesn't matter distance. His grace can seek you out. If you'll open up your voice and you'll pray. If you'll open up your voice with words of repentance. If you'll open up your voice and just truly identify, not distance, but where you are God's grace can find you near or far and he can administer healing and he can hearken and he can save to the uttermost to a far off or to a thief right beside him on a cross <laughs> Woo! hallelujah hallelujah let's talk to God as brother Mason begins to play and sing here this morning somebody needs to understand their positional placement Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.